May 10th, 2022. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are dedicated in memory of Norman Esses Alav HaShalom by Joey Esses and family. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Samech Zayin Amud Aleph. If you count down in the wide lines, that means after you get past those several narrow lines at the top, then the wide line, six lines down, is the second word on the line, right where the Gemara begins. The situation, the context is important, but uh, you didn't miss out on that much if you don't remember the Mishnah, because the Gemara very quickly reminds us. The Gemara begins and it says, Hamesit Zehediot. Those were the first words in the Mishnah. The Mishnah was talking about someone who's known as a Mesit, a person who on an individual basis, or at the very least not on the collective, the size of a city, brings others, convinces others to Avodah Zarah. That's uh, but that that be that person that we refer to is not a person who's speaking prophetically. He's not speaking with the name of God. It's a simple person, quote unquote. It's a person who's not a prophet, not a navi. So that's the first words in the Mishnah. Ta'ama. The deduction of the Gemara is the reasoning, the rationale that this person's hayav sekila is dehediot hanavi behenek. If a person were a prophet per se, he'd be hayav henek. Is our understanding from the Mishnah. Both would be put to death. The Mesitu Zehediot would get Sekila. We understand it perhaps as he's so persuasive, he puts so much into it, he has a more severe punishment as opposed to a false prophet. Perhaps it takes a little bit less to convince the people. They believe you're a prophet. As a result, you're going to be put to death if you brought them to Abu Dazara. But the severity, what's that? Again, I'm just explaining the difference. The difference is that the Mesit, who's a non-prophet, <clears throat> we put it all on him. He must have done a great job at convincing them. The one who claims he's a prophet does less of a job. Once he's speaking with the name of God, it's misleading the people. It's less effort that goes into it. Perhaps that's the distinction. You're right. Ultimately speaking, it is the same sin, and they both get put to death. It's a question of severity, and we're measuring severity, or the Torah, in the understanding of Rabbi Shimon of our Mishnah. Furthermore, the Mishnah said the next words, the Mishnah said it's not only a hediot, a non-prophet who's convincing others, Furthermore, it's a non-profit who's convincing others who are not a collective. We said he's convincing hediot as opposed to rabim, as opposed to ir hanidahat. If the person were to convince an entire city, that's what we'd refer to as a mediach. And a mediach, our understanding, has a different punishment. His punishment would be hanik. What's the logic over there? Same sin, maybe worse sin. The understanding perhaps is once you start convincing the people and it's an entire city, there's peer pressure. Perhaps you're doing less of the activity, less of the work. You're still being put to death. You brought many to Abu Dazarat. But once there's peer pressure, once there was momentum, it was less your efforts, maybe you instigated it, and more the collective efforts as a result. Certainly, you're being put to death. You did a terrible, horrible thing, but it's not the same severity as when you did it to an individual. What's that? Yeah. And as a result, yeah, that's right. Well, that's the point. The point is if you have a guy who's dressed like, it's, it's the danger of, quote, the simple guy, quote, unquote, mamash, who's giving classes as opposed to the rabbi. The rabbi, all right, if he speaks out of line, we look at him and we say, this is your profession, we'll take you down, we'll strip you of your title. The simple guy, what does he have to lose? I mean, it's that circumstance. And as a result, if he's so persuasive as a hediot, 
means he's doing a pretty good job here. He poses more of a danger. Again, that's what the Gemara derives very simply from the Mishnah. If it was Rabim, again, specifically Ir Hanidahan, entire city, in that circumstance, still being put to death. Terrible thing he's caused to happen. But with Henek as opposed to Sikila explains the Gemara as it introduces different opinions. Says the Gemara, Matnitin Manne. Man in Aramaic, usually with an aleph, mem aleph nun means who, or you know, without a question. Manne means who is it? So matnitin manne is a question mark. Who's the author of our Mishnah? Answers the Gemara Bishimonhi. It's the opinion of Bishimon who won both of these points. Number one, non-profit. Number two, not irhanidaha. That's when you're hayav sekila. If it's either a prophet, a navi, or an irhanidahat, it's hanek according to the Bishimon. Hachamim will disagree. The Tanya, as the Beraita uh, quite clearly explains, navi. There's our countercase, our contrast. Shehidiyah biskila, according to the Hachamim. Even the Navi, even the Prophet gets Sekilah. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon disagrees and he says it's the lowest of severities with regards to the death penalty. What if it's done not to a few individuals or to a single individual, but rather to an entire city? Biskila, the Chachamim disagree with Rabbi Shimon again. Their opinion is you get Sekilah. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon, much in line with our Mishnah, says it's Henek. Well, there it is. Quite clearly, we would hope it ends over here. The Gemara makes clear, sets forth for us, our Mishnah is following the opinion of Bishimon. It seemed simple from the Mishnah as if everyone agrees with this. Not everyone agrees with this. Opinion of Rabbi Shimon that Hedyot, two Hedyot, is Biskila, if it's Navi, to Ir Hanidahat, or Navi, or to Ir Hanidahat, it's not Sekila, only according to the Chachamim. We generally speaking would go by Hachamim. Even Rabbi Akiva, who were, who, about whom were posek, Rabbi Akiva mehavero, we say mehavero below mehaverav. Generally speaking, aside for one or two, Rabbi Li'ezah ben Yaakov, because Mishnah Tok Avinaki, and a few others, generally speaking, we go Yahid Rabim Halakha Kerabim. So you'd imagine the Halakha is against Rabbi Shimon, which Nathan points out, in which case, it already is a little surprising that our Mishnah, without recording the majority opinion that of Hachamim, just is sotem like Rabbi Shimon. We've seen stranger things, but it already is a little bit uh, out of the ordinary. The Gemara goes further. Not only is it out of the ordinary that our Mishnah is being sotem, meaning it's not mentioning any other name, any other opinion other than Rabbi Shimon, the minority opinion, but the next Mishnah, and it's just a few lines down on our page, we call it the Sefa of the Mishnah, because really, although Mishnayot in the Gemara are often cut, in order so that we could commentate in the middle, we could make points in the middle in the Gemara. But really, this Mishnah, and you'll see and understand why in a moment, really continues. So we call this what we just read, the Resha of the Mishnah. And then the Sefa of the Mishnah is going to talk about Media. We were talking about Mesit, the one who does it on an individual basis. And then the next Mishnah will talk about when you did it to Irhanidahat. We'll call that the Sefa. Sof, meaning the, the end of it. In Masefa, says the Gemara, I have a question. My question goes as follows. All you did was read to me, and we read together and discussed and explained the first part of the Mishnah. Let's read the second part of the Mishnah. You can yourself look ahead in the Gemara, a few lines down to the Mishnah, but the Gemara will quote it. Hamediah, a person who's not a Mesit, but rather a Mediah. What's a Mediah? Zeha Omer Nelech Venaavod Avodat Kochavim. It's a per- person who, in plural, 
not elech, not we, you and I, but rather let's go as a collective to do avodah zarah. Ve'amar Rav Yehuda, Marav, Madihi Ir Hanidahat Shadnu, and Rav Yehuda, in the name of Rav, said that that Mishnah, the next Mishnah, is referring to Ir Hanidahat, and what's the halakha in the circumstance, a situation of mediah sekila? Well, we have a blatant contradiction. Atan Rabbanan. Reshar bishimon Rabbanan. Now emerges that the second part of the Mishnah, which talks about the mediah, which means that he's or she is taking a whole slew of people, an entire city, to Avodah Zarah. And what's the death penalty? Why is it being mentioned in these line of Mishnayot, this line of Mishnayot? Sekila. It's a blatant contradiction. On the one hand, the Mishnah that we read yesterday that we're commenting on uh, today told us that it's got to be a single person affecting a single group, more, more importantly. The next Mishnah teaches us that even if it's to an entire group, in each of those circumstances, it's Sekila. How, how do you explain this contradiction? Answers the Gemara in two ways, which is really one which extends itself. It's Ravina and Rav Papa then elaborating. Ravina and Rav Papa will both suggest, and very appropriate in line of thought with Nathan, that our Mishnayot are not following the opinion of the minority view, that of Rabbi Shimon, they're rather following the opinion of Rabbanan. How do you explain Rabbanan? Our first Mishnah wasn't talking about Ein Hanidahat. Our first Mishnah was very clearly talking about a single or just a few people. Ravina Amar Kula Rabbanani. Not both. Only Rabbanan. It's a blatant country, it's a blatant uh, dis- uh, dispute. Rabbi Shimon says, if you're trying to convince, or if you did convince an entire Ir Hanidahat, you're Hayav Hanid, according to the Hachamim, Hayav Sekila, you can't follow both. But how do you, what's, Mishnah. Mishnah, our Mishnah can't follow both. It's got to be either Hachamim or Rabbi Shimon. The simple reading of the first Mishnah was Rabbi Shimon. Simple reading of the second one was Hachamim. We're now going to skew, quote unquote, the first one. Ravina Amar Kula Rabbanani Velozo Avzo Katane. Which means, say, Ravina explains that you need to read, and again, it makes it so difficult because we stopped to talk about the first part of the Mishnah here in the Gemara, but you need to read them in tandem. It's a lozo avzo katane, which is a way of writing. It's a way of Mishnah, Mishnah writing, which goes as follows. I start the sentence by talking about the smaller amount. And then once I finish talking about the less mehudash, the less severe circumstance, I make my way to the next one. You'll ask me afterwards, why do you need to talk about the first one? Why not just talk about the second one? And I'll know, kalva homer. If you told me, ir hanidahat yahayav sekila, so, uh, excuse me, if you told me that the, to the individual yahayav, so certainly to the Ir first and foremost, it's not always so. Secondly, I want to be fully clear. I'm delineating, I'm elaborating, I'm elucidating, I'm making everything clear to you. So I started and I said, you know something, here's how it works. If you convince Allah one or two or five people to do Abu Dazara, you're Hayab Sekila. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Now let me continue. You know something? If you convince an entire Ir Hanidahat, you're still Hayab Sekila, of course. Now, those are not contradicting one another. You just understood when I stopped the conversation, if I stopped talking after the first sentence, that it's only because you convinced one, two, three, four, five, as opposed to an entire city. But you need to read it all together. It's a lozo, not only if you convinced a few, but even if you convinced the Eidhanidahat, your Hayav Sekila Rav Papa needs to resolve the second part. But wait a second. 
the first Mishnah, that which we talked about yesterday and we've been commenting on today, didn't only talk about telling only one person, it also talked about the non-profit. It also talked about a hediot. That was also part of the conversation. The dispute between the Bishimon and Hachamim. According to the Bishimon, it's even if it's a prophet. Excuse me, according to the Hachamim, it's even if it's a prophet. According to the Bishimon, it was only when it's a non-prophet. How do you get around that one? Again, you'll now you, what you've affected is the second detail. We had two details which pushed us in the direction of the Bishimon. Number one, you're convincing not a whole city. And number two, you as the bad guy are not a prophet, but rather a hediot. Both of those were mahlok al-bishimon hachamin. You dealt with what we're calling the first one. How many do you need to convince? You didn't deal with the second one, and that is who's convincing. And the Mishnah, black on white, says it needs to be a hediot. Our understanding is a hediot and not a prophet. Rav Papa Amarki Katane mesit ze hediot lehachmana. Says Rav Papa, when we talk about the mesit being a hediot, we don't actually mean that he's a hediot, a simpleton, in contrast to a prophet. We mean he's a simpleton, it's a derogatory way of referring to him. We refer to him, that simpleton, we're just putting him down because he's now bringing others to Avodah Zarah. It's like calling him a yo-yo, a dib, or something like that. It's not hediot in contrast to a navi, it's hediot in contrast to an upstanding citizen. To the extent that, why did we need to denigrate him, bring him down, call him a hediot? so that the Jareds amongst us won't get too angry. In order to tell you that's why we're going to take it out rough on him. If you recall yesterday, and we'll repeat it again now in the Beraita, this guy, this individual, in contrast to any other sinner in the Torah, we're willing to hide, to ensnare him, to figure out a way to catch him because we consider him dangerous, a cancer in our midst. As a result, that's why the Mishnah begins by saying, you know who we're talking about? We're talking about a hediot. Why'd you call him that? You must mean because he's not a prophet. That's not what I meant. That was your understanding until now. I wasn't going with Rabbi Shimon. It's the Hachamim speaking. So I refer to him as a hediot. To tell you, this guy's a yo-yo. This guy's a low-life. And as a result, lehachmana. Those are the words, machminim, if you recall, were the way that we ensnare him. And what sort of circumstances? Ditanya is the Beraita. And we saw this already earlier in the Mishnah. But now the Beraita gives us a few extra details. Usha'ar kol Generally speaking, in 99% of the cases of death penalty, of sins, of that severity, or any severity in the Torah, we don't hide to catch the person. We go face to face with them. We don't want them to sin. We don't want them in this situation in order to catch them. We'd rather avoid the circumstance. If they're about to sin, get up in their grill, speak to them, explain to them what they're doing, give them a hatra'a, give them a clear and an explicit warning, get them away from it. Except for for example, what might you do in order to ensnare him? Further than we mentioned even in the past. The guy says to you, and you overhear him speaking to someone else, whatever the situation is, you know something? I got a great God. And I think this is the one you should be worshipping. But he's speaking in a hush, and he doesn't want others to hear him. And he's in the corner, he's in a secluded place. Catch him, bring him into the internal room. Bring him into a room where nobody believes. He certainly doesn't believe anybody's watching. But as you have him in that room, light a candle. Why are you lighting a candle? To make certain that although it's dark, 
the witnesses who are going to be hiding out in the adjacent room can actually see him. They're not just listening. They can see who's speaking. That's the way they're going to testify against him. So they put him in the bayit apenimi, which means the internal, the inner chamber room. And you have witnesses. It's almost like an interrogation room, but he doesn't realize he's being interrogated. And you have witnesses on the other side of the one-sided mirror. There's no one-sided mirror back then, I assume. But it means they're able to see him. He doesn't realize this. He, he, they're there. They're close enough. There's a light, which is albeit dim. So he feels comfortable that this is a very clandestine uh, uh, the conversation. It's hidden. Nobody realizes. But they can hear and they can see him. But he doesn't see them. And as you set him up for this, and this is what we talked about yesterday, Although you've set him up and you don't need to issue a warning, but you've set him up ultimately speaking. So you need to be certain that he's actually intent on pulling this off. He really is purpose to convince you to Avodah So respond to him. Could you remind me what you said when we were uh, in, in, uh, in seclusion, when it was just me and you uh, outside of this room? And then the uh, Mesit repeats what he was said. Past Yehud. That's why right. be Yehud in a different situation. So you, he's, he's saying why? Why in the conversation? Why are you saying be Yehud? It's still be Yehud. Why are you telling us? All right. The Hala maybe he's maybe he's okay. The Hala Omer Lo Heachnan Yachet Elohenu Elokenu Shebashemaim VeNaAvod Avodat Kochavim. And so once he tells him, he responds. The person who's being nisid, who's potentially being ensnared, is how could we listen? How could we do this? We have our true God. We're going to go to worship idols. Im Bo. If the Mesit actually does change his mind, you don't say since you spoke once you're dead. This is the first time this witnesses Mutab. You took it back. Will accept the imamar. However, if he just utters the following words, this is our mandate. This is our responsibility. And this is the right way of life. Quickly emerging from the back room as the police officers, in our circumstance, not officers, but rather witnesses. The witnesses move in. They were listening from the external room. They bring him quickly to Betin, to the court. And he gets put to death. Effectively, what our Gemara has set forth for us again is that we're following not the opinion, the minority opinion of Rabbi Shimon, but rather that of Hachamim. And as a result, whether it's a prophet or simpleton, quote-unquote, a non-profit, whether it's to an individual or individuals or to an entire Eid Hanidah, and all of those circumstances of Mesit and Mediach is Sekila, the most fundamental, foundational halakha we revealed as well is that Mesit and Mediach, as Rashi pointed out to us from the Pasuk of you're not being homel, you're not giving him any mercy, it doesn't need a hatra, it's in contrast to any other sin in the Torah, not only will we not give a hatra, we will, as the Gemara, as the Mishnah set forth for us, set up situations to catch the guy in order to remove him from our midst. Is there any situation where we're allowed to entrap or ensnare a person like this? No, this is the only. Very clearly, the Beraita and the Mishnah tells us, for the Jareds amongst us, this is the only case. And that really happened if a 
have to warn him. He not only needs to be warned, he needs to have a Kabbalah Tatra. He needs to say, I'm doing it. Tosafot elsewhere points out that uh, you're rarely, if ever, going to find the death penalty. Aside from maybe. Who's going to, in their right mind, Abi and I were talking about this after the class yesterday, who in their right mind, who's in the midst of performing a sin, you catch them in the act. Let's say an easy quote-unquote one in Shabbat. You caught them in the act. You're warning them in the act. They're going to look you in the eyes and say, I know that I'm doing wrong and I'm accepting the death penalty and there's two witnesses there as this is taking place. He'll say, go take a hike. You can't put him to death. You can incarcerate him. Oh, David and I were talking about that. You can incarcerate You can put him in jail. You could try to set forth and you will. You have a responsibility. Makat mardut and so on and so forth. You can't put him to death. It's for that reason, again, that more than anything... The majority, ironically, of Masechet Sanhedrin is describing ideal law and less practical law. Of course, brings us back, as Morris likes to tell us, to the Mishnah Masechet Makot, that the Bedin is, quote-unquote, not supposed to be killing. So what are they supposed to be doing? Setting ideals, teaching lessons to the people through principle, and sometimes, more often than not, through actuality. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, don't. I mean, the guy who I would have said, hey, that's what you say. Yeah, yeah. Morris, don't go too far. We brought him into a room with a candle lit and we stuck the guys outside. Yeah. We gave him a bit of an out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. No, the last Mishnah told us if it's the first time and there's two people there in context, that's enough. We are. Machminim, we are. He's a cancer in our midst. We have to take him out. It's again the best for the humanists, for the for the extreme humanists amongst us. We need to remind ourselves it's the only case, and it literally threatens the fabric of our of our ex- existential, you know, national uh, life. And that's that's what's happening here. It says the next Mishnah, Hamedia, the person again who's convincing not just an individual or individuals. Zeha Omer Nelech in plural. Let's go. Avod and let's worship Avodat Kochavim, idol worship, pagan uh, and and the like. Hamechashef. The Mishnah concludes by talking about Mechashef. We already talked a bit about Mechashef. We really talked about Meonen. We talked about Baalov, we talked about Yideoni and so forth. We didn't talk as much about Mechashef. Mechashef is in Parashat Mishpatim. Mechashef is again in Parashat Shofetim. The Torah talks about Nahash, it talks about Kishuf. What's a Mechashef? Ha'oseh ma'aseh hayav velo ha'ochezet ha'inayim. It means it's a person who's a sorcerer with quote-unquote action as opposed to, quote-unquote, catching the eyes. Achizat enayim, I promised you, when we taught, saw it in the context of me'onen, we would return to it on daf samech Here it is, we'll see it again on Amud Bet, where we'll elaborate further, because those are the critical words and the descriptions in the Gemara for what we call today magic shows. That's how achizat enayim. The question is, is this a reference to a magic show? Mechashefa, we refer to sorcery. Was there ever true sorcery? When we mention ha'oseh ma'aseh, actually doing something or does it appear in other words that's the question we'll have to deal with there's a fundamental and foundational mahluk between harambam and others about whether ever there was legitimacy to what we call mechashefa was it always a scam and god says don't get involved with the scam 
or was there once, or there still is, some sort of black magic domain which God says stay out of, and how Hezetayinayim is altogether different from that. We'll deal with that, but at this point, the Mishnah tells us there's a difference between you do an action, Hayav Sekila, or you just are quick with the hands. We'll see in the Gemara several examples of actions. We'll see in this Mishnah one example of action. Because the Mishnah tells us, Rabbi Akiva Omer Mishum Rabbi Yoshua, Shenaim Loketim Kishuin. The action might be as simple as there's a uh, vegetable garden. What are kishuin? I don't know, gourds or cucumbers? Good, cucumbers. Uh, what's the Rashi Al Hatorat? When Bnei Israel are complaining that they had. What's that? Avatihim, Rashi over there says cucumbers. Okay, but uh, kishuin, cucumbers. What's that? Zucchini, gourds. Okay, they're translating as cucumbers, AB says. Regardless, there's this, there's this thing in the field. All right, and uh, both of them, both guy A and guy B, Reuven and Shimon, are ostensibly, it appears as if they're picking those gourds without, you know, in some miraculous way. They're putting on a show and you're watching them, picking the gourds and putting them in a basket of some sort. Ehad loket patur, ehad loket hayav. Both of them are doing the wrong thing. They're both using some sort of quote-unquote sorcery in order to affect this. Neither one of them is picking the regular fashion. One's hayav mita for the doing, and the other one's patur. Patur doesn't mean it's permitted. It means he doesn't get sekila, he doesn't get put to death. What's the difference? hayav. If the person's doing, quote, active sorcery, we have to define what that means, but then he's hayav sekila. If alternatively is ha'ohezetainaim, he's catching your eye, sleight of hand of some sort, patur, he shouldn't be doing it, but he's not liable to death penalty. Again, this raises in our minds as it should, and tomorrow will be the fuller conversation on this, and we talked about it on Shabbat, a magic show today, is either one of these applicable? Well, we know this. We assume that the, the magicians today are not using quote unquote some sort of real legitimate black magic. Is that what qualifies as how hezetainaim? How hezetainaim? Although patur is still azur, does that mean you can't have a Jewish magician? Does it mean you can't employ a magician? You can't have them at an event? All right, we'll deal with it as we go along. But it says the Gemara first things first. Amar of Marav. When we talked about madiach at the beginning of the Mishnah, we saw this line earlier in the Gemara today. Even madihirani dachachanukan. It's a reference to the entire of a city, that's in Ir Hanidahat, when you convince an entire city to do Avodah Zarah, that's called Mediyah, Nidahat, same word, Nidaha you have about Yerushalayim elsewhere in the Navi, uh, what we're referring to is something that's uh, scorned, something that's gone off the straight path, that's to be Mediyah, brings a person or people off the right path. HaMechashef Zeha Oseh Ma'aseh, the Gemara now will deal with those words, HaMechashef Zeha Oseh Ma'aseh. Now, I'll just for a moment remind you, the Pasuk in Parashat Mishpah, which we'll cite in a moment, says Mechashefa lo tehaye. Mechashefa is in the, uh, the female uh, the description. Uh, it's a female uh, way of uh, phrasing that word. A Mechashef would be a male person performing. The noun is Kishuf, sorcery. Mechashefa is a female. The Torah in Parashat Mishpatim only talks about a female. Doesn't mean the only person is prohibited, the only person perhaps who gets put to death for doing sorcery as a female, as a woman? Is this the first place we're going to be more severe, quote-unquote, on the woman than the man? Tanur Rabbanan mechashefa ve'hadaisha. No, it's both man and woman. How do you know? 
pasuk only says mechashefa. Rashi explains because the pasuk by oven yideoni similar sorcery, black magic, witchcraft business over there explicitly says ish veisha. So we don't distinguish in the context of illegal um, sorcery and witchcraft between male and female. So then why does the pasuk say it in the female conjugation? Imken matamud quote unquote mechashefa. Why does the Torah refer to this person as a female sorcerer? Amazingly, the Gemara suggests, you have other Gemarot, that the majority of women, it's not that the majority of sorcerers, that's the way I used to read this Gemara, I realized this morning I always read it wrong, it's not the majority of sorcerers happen to be women. I always assumed that's the tarot card readers, that's the witches, that's the so on and so forth, the palm readers, they're always women. Okay, well, the statement over here is the majority of women are involved in sorcery. Shema Israel. It's a crazy statement. Okay, but more than anything, the point is the pasuk in the Torah is describing it in the female conjugation as women. Uh, talking about Bahoveh, more women than men, certainly. Mitatan Bameh, how do they get put to death? Well, our Mishnah made clear to us, it appeared that the halacha is they get put to death with sikila, with death penalty of the highest severity of being stoned. The Gemara says from a Beraita, there are two opinions. Rabbi Yosea Gilili Omer, Rabbi Yosea Gilili has a derasha. On the one hand, the Pasuk says, Ne'emar kan mechashefa lo tehaye, ve'ne'emar lehalan lo tehaye kon neshama. Pasuk says in Parashat Mishpatim about mechashefa, about kishuf, about sorcery and witchcraft, lo tehaye, don't give it life, don't leave it alive. The Torah says by, about the seven nations when we entered into Eretz Kena'an. At the end of the Torah, so we're told, absolute genocide, you kill them all. How did we kill them all? Well, the Torah tells us in our wars against Og and Sihon, as Rashi points out, we killed them with Saif. We went, which makes sense, if you're fighting a battle, once upon a time you weren't doing it with guns, you weren't doing it with uh, nuclear uh, airfare or, or anything of that sort, you were doing it with knives, you did it with a knife. As a result, the derasha here of Lotehayeh, and Lotehayeh is the same way the fight against the seven nations in Eretz Kenan we were to do with knives. So to the death penalty over here is the lowest of severity, but it's a death penalty, not, not the lowest. According to one opinion, it's mitat saif, malehalan besaif, afkan besaif. The derasha in turn is sorcery gets put to death by beheading in court. It's mitat hedeg or saif, the same thing. Rabbi Akiva, Omer Rabbi Akiva, who seems to be the opinion we're dealing with in our Mishnayot, Rabbi Akiva disagrees, and his opinion is it's sekila, mechashefa, kishuf, both male or female, get put to death with uh, stoning if they were to do such a terrible, egregious activity. Again, same pasuk in Parashat Mishpatim. Don't give life, don't continue the life of a mechashef. And then the pasuk says as well, it says lehalan later, but it's really earlier in the context of the Torah being given at Har Sinai, in behema in ish lo The pasuk says that Anyone, whether it's an animal, a person who climbs the mountain of Har Sinai, lo yichyen. The pasuk goes on to say, ki sakol yisakel o yaro yare. What's going to happen if a person does break the barriers, uh, ascends Har Sinai during the time of the giving of the Torah? They get stoned. Well, explicitly, lo yichye and lo tehaye. Lo yichye and lo tehaye. You have almost identical wording. What does lo yichye mean? 
Sekila, they get put to death with stoning. Lot so too. That's the mahloke between Rabbi Yoseh and Rabbi Akiva. It's a question of how to make a dirasha. Parallel, similar words in the Torah. How to define lot Says Rabbi Yoseh. Rabbi Yoseh, that's uh, Rabbi Akiva. That's your dirasha. My Lord Rabbi My words were absolutely identical. The pasuk says by the seven nations lot and the pasuk says by your pasuk? Oh, not exactly. Your pasuk is lo It's a little bit. It's a different letter. Mine is more clean. Mine's perfect. Yes, I gave a less severe punishment, but when it comes down to it, says Rabbi Yose, the Torah uses the identical wording in two places for you to be akiva close. Close, but no cigar. My lord, Rabbi Akiva says Rabbi Akiva. All right, so I'm one letter off. Well, let's think about context. Who are we talking about in these two situations? Your case, Mechashefa, we're clearly talking about Bnei Israel. But who are you killing in your other Lotehaye? The seven nations, the non-Jews. The non-Jews, we only know one death penalty for them in the Torah, and that is Saif. They always get put to death with Saif. So you're telling me you're going to derive from that case to our case, from non-Jews to Bnei Yisrael, death penalty? We always know they get put to death with death penalty of Saif, of beheading, if you're going to kill them. That Rashi already told us earlier in the Gemara. He told us it's from Shofech Dam Ha'adam Ba'adam Damo Yishafech. It's the same way we would fight against each other, Lo Aleinu, with a knife. So too we get put to death, non-Jews with a knife. But says Rabbi Akiva, you can't in turn tell me that's a better derasha than mine. I'm learning Yisrael from Yisrael. You're learning Umot Olam from Yis- uh, to Yisrael. When it comes to Yisrael, there are four ways of being put to death. And as a result, if I found one case of Sekila by Yisrael, and I can derive from that to that's a clean and perfect uh, uh, derasha. Nice, but the only, uh, that's nice in terms of uh, making a statement, uh, but ultimately speaking, there's also a diminished side, and that is, it's the less severe punishment. But understood, in other words, Nathan argues for the Biose, the Biose mindset, I'm okay with that, because maybe there's a second side of the coin over here. It's not only severity of punishment, but look who you resemble, you're just like the Goyim. I hear you, the truth is, Rabbi Akiva could say, if... I'm just continuing your conversation. That at Har Sinai, we weren't only killing Bnei Israel, it was in Behema in Ish, it was animals as well. Anyway, as you, on the other hand, says Rabbi Akiva, learning Israel from from Ovde Kochavim, by Ovde Kochavim, it's always Saif. You can't and shouldn't learn from one to the other. Lastly, says the Gemara, Ben Azai. Ben Azai, of course, is a contemporary of Rabbi Akiva, he's one of the Four rabbis who's Nichnesula Pardes, he's his contemporary. He agrees with his opinion, but he has a different derasha. He agrees with his opinion that the death penalty for Mechashefa, for witchcraft and sorcery, is Sekila. But his derasha goes as follows Ben Azayomer, look at the Pesukim Parashat Mishpatim. Ne'eman Mechashefa Lotehaye. On the one end, the Pasuk says you shouldn't blend life, continue the life of any sorcery or witchcraft. The immediate Pasuk afterwards says, Ve'ne'eman Koshochevim Behema Mot Yumat. 
pasuk says any person who commits bestiality, who has relations with uh, with an animal, gets put to death. We had derashot in the Gemara earlier and dafnundalit uh, as to the death penalty of a person who uh, sleeps with an animal. What's the death penalty over there? Sikila simachor inyan lo. The Torah, for some reason, has what's called simuchin. It puts one sentence next to the other, one law next to the other. They're both death penalty, but one has none, nothing to do with the other. Mashochevim behema. Perhaps what we're to derive to understand is the same way a person who commits bestiality is biskila, gets the death penalty of stoning. Af mechashef. So to a person who commits sorcery is biskila. That's the suggestion of Ben Azai. So Ben Azai doesn't disagree with Rabbi Akiva. He agrees with Rabbi Akiva. Brings another source, whereas Rabbi Akiva learned it from Lo Tehaye and Lo Yehaye. Over here, the derasha is from Simuchin. Amar Lo Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda turns to Ben Azai and he says, "That's a derasha." Now you have to understand the Gemara and Masechet Yevamot and Davdale derives from here that Rabbi Yehuda disagrees with the concept, not the halakha, but with the concept. Uh, it, it appears. What's the concept? The concept is what's called Dorshin Simuchin. Is it when the Torah mentions one law in one pasuk and then another law in the next pasuk, should I derive laws from one to the other? If they're in the same pasuk, there's no question. That's what's called the Hekesh. If it's from one pasuk to the next pasuk, the Gemara says in several places, specifically in Yevamot and Daftalit, Rabbi Yehuda lo darish Simuchin. He doesn't make such a derasha. It's derived from here. It says Rabbi Yehuda, Amar lo Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda turns to Ben Azai and says, because it says mechashefa right next to koshocheven behema vechim mipnesh shesimachor inyan lo notzil leze biskila because they were placed one next to the other, therefore we're giving the most severe of penalties in terms of punishment, sekila, I can't accept. Rather, there's a different derasha, and we'll conclude with this, I agree with you in the law, says Rabbi Huda. I agree with you that the death penalty will be sekila, but I have a different derasha. What's my derasha? Third derasha, we had we had Gezerasha of Rabbi Akiva, we had Simuchin of Ben Azai, now we have Rabbi Huda. Yehuda has an imeno inyan. If the Torah has a kelal, a principle, the principle is mechashefa lo tehaye. All sorcery or all witchcraft get put to death. But then you're motzimin hakelal. And then you specified two types of mechashefa. Why did the Torah tell you that? So we mentioned to tell you to derive laws from those particulars. So ovi yedeoni bichlal mechashefim hayu. Ovin yedeoni, which we talked about in the past. The armpit guy, the bone guy, the people who are doing those strange sorcery and witchcraft. Why does the Torah specify them? Why do they come out of the kelal? I told you all witchcraft is pro- pro- prohibited. Why do you talk about Oven Yerda'oni separately? To learn from them, to connect others to them. To tell you that the same way those two have a death penalty of sekila, the Torah says so explicitly that they have regimat avanim, so to all witchcraft. So it effectively means that the Gemara brings for us a mahlok. Rabbi Yosef's opinion is Mechashefa gets put to death with Saif. Rabbi Akiva, Ben Azai, Rabbi Huda, all derived in different ways, like our Mishnah, that the Halakha is Mechashefa gets put to death with Sekila. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.